Well, my friends, I managed to be alive to welcome age 65. I am now officially a senior citizen. From now on, I will pretty much ask for a senior discount everywhere I go that is possible. Discounts at restaurants, discounts at movies, discount plastic surgery, maybe. You never know. I have so many plans. But today, my friends, I have a multi-story show for you. The first short story came about a couple of days ago when I walked to the store. Now, I've mentioned before my paranoia about being near ballparks. Well, this time, it caught me off guard, and I think you'll find it a bit funny. The second half of today's episode is another short story that concerns an actual castle that was built in the woods near my junior high school. It was a castle complete with turrets and all other things a castle might have, including the beginnings of a moat and a drawbridge. I think you'll find this story as fascinating as I found it all those many years ago. I will post some photos of the castle from our local newspaper. Look for the photos on an Older Gay Guy Show Facebook page. I am Joey Hernandez, and you are listening to an Older Gay Guy Show podcast. Thank you for joining me today, guys. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Podcasting Network. Check out more great shows at pride48.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned into a very special episode of an older gay guy show because I just went to the store and I need to talk to my best friend and tell a little story. Now you, in case you didn't know this, are my best friend. So here's what happened. (laughs) I've told stories in the past how this kind of thing just seems to follow me around Like I'm some sort of magnet that draws this. But I was walking down to a store, down to a subway shop to get a vegetable sub. And in order to get there, it's like a six minute walk. Go all the way down to the end of my street. I turn onto the really big boulevard. I go about a half a block or so. And then there's the plaza that has the sub shop in it. So I'm walking down. I get down to the end of my street. My back is hurting me a little bit because, you know, it's still injured and it's still being rehabbed and it's going to take a while. But I get to the end of my street. I cross the big boulevard. I turn left. I start down that half a block. And just as I get to the corner of the parking lot where the subway shop is, I see out of the peripheral vision of my eyes, I see a ball rolling on the ground from the left side of me, behind me, and to the right, and then banging up against a parked car, and it came to a stop. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh God, no! It's this again! A ball just like magnetically just comes to me, like sticks to me. It's like a a, a meteorite just flying at me. It never changes. It's always the same. If there's any kind of ball game of any type, if I'm walking down the street, if I'm near there, if I'm in the playground, if I'm in the park, wherever, the ball comes soaring at me. So I know, of course, they want me to pick up the basketball and throw it back to them. 
But the road that I was on, the big boulevard, right, has a line of cars parked on each side. And then there's two lanes of traffic on each side. So a total of six lanes of traffic, counting the parked cars, right? So in order for me to get it back to them, I would have to pick up the ball and throw it over the cars, across the four lanes, over the next cars, and to them. And I know I can't do it. I know I cannot do it. I cannot pick up the ball and throw it. It will go somewhere nowhere near it. It'll go a 90 degree angle or something and go flying off. So I'm saying in my mind, fuck, fuck, fuck. All right, just, just pretend you didn't see it. You didn't look at the ball. You're looking straight ahead. Just keep walking. And I'm dressed in my Boston Bruins t-shirt and my red Boston Red Sox baseball hat, right? So I kind of look like I should be somebody that can handle a ball. And as I take a few steps, I hear, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And I'm thinking, God, no, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. So I, I kind of tilt my head up and I'm looking around at the, the trees and the sky like, oh, gee, I don't know where I am. I better concentrate my mind on finding out where I am and where I'm going instead of listening to that person saying, please toss the ball back. Because I would toss the ball like a little girl. I would toss the ball like a three-year-old girl. Like I would put the ball in my hands, I would pick it up, and I would drop the ball because balls just don't stay in my hands. They go everywhere but where I'm supposed to send them. So I just keep walking. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I just kept walking. And I went into the sub shop and I got my sub and I'm walking out, pushing the door open and I'm thinking, oh my God, I have to walk by those people again. <laughs> so <laughs> I see these two girls walking up on the sidewalk that's going to go in the same direction I need to go in. So I kind of like hurry a little bit and kind of put myself behind the girls as we're walking, right? These girls are probably like high school at the most. And here I am, this old dude following them. So, <laughs> so I'm passing by where the house is and I happen to just kind of glance and yeah, there's some adult guys, couple adult women sitting on the porch. And the person that's throwing the ball is literally like a two-year-old girl. And she's throwing the ball to her father or, or uncle or whatever. He's catching the ball. He's tossing it back to her. The reason the ball ended up rolling across the street like it did was probably because the girl lost control of it because she's two years old, right? So, <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh my God, that two-year-old girl does better with balls than I would at my age. It never fails, folks. It never fails that they are attracted to me. And I'm always saying in my mind, please, please don't let it happen again. Please don't let it happen again. And sure enough, there comes the ball. I should just never walk anywhere. Thanks for listening. Okay, my friends, it 
is story time. A G-rated story. And this is called A Castle in the Woods. So this is going to take place in 1971. Now this was a couple months after my father passed away and I was 12 years old at the time. Now I was closest to my brother that is five years older than me. His name is John. And when we were growing up, my brother John loved to tell me stories (laughs) that ended up not being the least bit true. And he used to think it was a fucking riot to tell me these. One of the things he told me was, in order to grow a mustache, even at age 12, I could do it. You just have to get these seeds and plant the seeds in your upper lip and the hair sprouts from the seeds. And at, you know, 11, 12 years old, I, I totally believed him. And you know how in the back of magazines, especially comic books, there would be ads to, um, to buy shit like uh, the sea monkeys, you know, that you were supposed to get. They turned out to be shrimp. Or, you know, different uh, secret clubs that you could belong to with decoder rings and all this shit. So I just combed them for months looking for these mustache seeds. And one time, my brother John and I went to our barber that my father used to always bring us all to and we'd get our haircuts at the same time. And when the barber was cutting my hair, I asked him if he had any mustache seeds. And... He looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Meanwhile, my brother is, is tears are coming out of his eyes. He's trying to hold in from laughing so much. So I was used to my brother just telling me these absolutely ridiculous stories. And he told me that there was a castle in our hometown of Wakefield, Massachusetts. And I'm like, yeah, right, John. Yeah, right. Sure there is. And he's like, no, no, there really is. I'll, you you want to see it? I'll, I'll drive us there. There. You know, we have to go at night, but I'll drive us there and we can, you know, cut through the woods and you can see it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, please take me there. I would love to see it, John. So a couple nights later, we drove out and it was really late at night. It was like midnight, but even though I was that young, my mother was grieving for my father's death and she had just first been diagnosed with cancer. So her mind was on everything taking care of us kids, really. So she wasn't really keeping track of where I was. So we snuck out at like midnight and we drove to this area that's just right near the junior high school that I was currently going to. And we parked and we cut through the woods and it was during the summer so it was really quite warm and there were the leaves on the trees and you know bushes and shit so you really kind of had to like push them away and kind of walk through the woods it wasn't an easy path it was pretty dense and sure enough we emerged from these trees and bushes and there it was honest to god lit up like a castle would be lit up this huge castle on top of this hill in the woods in the middle of nowhere in my hometown Now, that was just, like, crazy, you know? I mean, when you think about it, 
there's a castle in your town that you grew up in that all during elementary school and everything, I never heard about this. And sure enough, there it was. I want to read you a short article that is from the newspaper, and this is about that castle. The builder was Clarence Hogue, who single-handedly constructed his Castle Clare on a hill on Acorn Ave, just off Oak Street on the outskirts of Greenwood, and a castle it was, complete with parapets, battlements, buttresses, and towers. There was even the beginning of digging a moat with a planned drawbridge. Hogue built a house on Acorn Ave that he and his family lived in, but it was no castle. So in 1930, when he was 53 years old, Hogue decided to build his very own castle on a hill near his house. Each day when he got home from his printing business in Boston, Hogue would work on his castle. It was the Great Depression, and business wasn't so great. So Hogue would scavenge for building materials wherever he could, from demolition sites and remodeling projects that he encountered in the course of his daily business. He salvaged everything from secondhand lumber and tiles to ornate marble fireplaces and heavy wrought iron gates, anything he could pick up at a bargain price. Greenwood residents got used to seeing Hogue walking home from the train station at the end of the day, lugging boards and other building supplies that he had acquired that day. He did almost all of the work himself. The only jobs done for him were the electrical, plumbing, and heating. It took Hogue 16 years to complete his castle, but he continued to plug away for another 20 years on his architectural masterpiece. Hogue's castle stood as a testament to the sheer will and ingenuity that characterized America in the early decades of the 20th century. He furnished the interior in the manner of a Scottish castle with huge Chinese vases, a suit of armor, battle axes, wrought iron candelabras, crests, and enormous paintings, all picked up from mansions being torn down or from secondhand dealers. Castle Clare its name taken from the first five letters of Hogue's given name, became a local social and cultural gathering place. But by 1967, such activities were curtailed due to the 88-year-old Hogue's failing health. In the years after his death, the house was emptied and teens had taken over the secluded site for underage drinking parties. Then, on October 5, 1974, arsonists reduced Clarence Hogue's castle to charred rubble. In the 80s, the 16-lot Montclair Estates subdivision was constructed around the former site of the castle. So, after I knew about the castle being there, and fall came around, of course, we all went back to school, and the junior high was really only about a 10-minute walk from where the castle was. 
And I used to tell my friends, you know, about this castle. And, you know, of course, they would give the reaction that any normal person was, you know, to a 12-year-old, telling them that, oh, there's this big, huge, like, Scottish castle in the woods. Yeah, right, sure. So I used to take my friends there all the time, you know. We'd go after school, and we'd cut through the woods. And sometimes, like, on the weekends, I would go there, sometimes with a friend, or most of the time, actually, by myself. I was super into Dark Shadows at the time in 1971, and to me, this was as close to Collinwood, the big main estate that the Collins family lived in, in Dark Shadows. This was as close as I was going to find, so I used to be there sometimes by myself after school in the woods, and I just kind of play Dark Shadows like, oh yeah, that's Collinwood, and you know, just play games with myself. I could walk there from my house in about 30 minutes, and I'd cut through the woods, and sometimes I'd just sit, and I'd look at the castle lit up. And the article talks about teens and underage drinking parties. That might have been right at the end, like 1973, 1974. But back in 1971, the castle was being rented, and it was being rented by these musicians, these hippie musicians. And when I would sit there and watch, there were all these people coming and going and you could hear music playing. And it was really like a surreal thing. And after a while, I got the balls to actually go up to the castle. I did this in the evening when it was dark outside. And I would find a way to look in the windows. And there was this great hall, like this big, humongous hall in part of it, a big room. And that's where they had the suit of armors and the axes and swords on the walls and a big, huge stone fireplace. And that was usually where they were sitting around smoking some weed and and playing music, kind of like what you'd imagine like Kurt Cobain would have done, you know, back in the 90s. And it was just so amazing to see. One of the times when I was looking in the windows, I was not aware that they had started to dig a moat. So there was this big pathway carved out like three quarters around the castle. And it was probably a good four feet deep or so because they were going to put water into it. And I remember tripping and, and falling one time. And I had to get from the castle back to my house on this really twisted ankle. And it took me, you know, I remember it being well over an hour to get back home. But seeing that castle was just the most amazing thing. I will never forget it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a photo of the castle on an older gay guy show Facebook page. So you can see what the castle looked like. Uh, It was such a shame that that castle burned down. For a good 15 years after the fire, you could still see remnants of the castle. Most of it was knocked down because it was such a hazardous area, and kids always wanted to go to show their friends what used to be Wakefield's real-life castle. I tried to show Paco a few years ago. But those woods, like many around my hometown, had been developed into new housing areas. 
so nothing remained from that amazing castle. And the balls straying near me from ballparks has just become such a regular thing at this point. So I just kind of roll my eyes like, okay, here we go again. (laughs) You know, I did once have plans to learn basic ball throwing so I could kind of get over my fears. But I started to make those plans when I was in my 30s. And now... Well, I guess I can use my senior citizen's old man excuse now. Sorry, Sonny, my arthritis is acting up today. But I'm sure guys will continue to ask for their balls back. But as a gay man, once you give me your balls, they are mine. Please check out the new video on an older Gay Guy Show YouTube channel, and I'll be back soon. Meanwhile, this is Joey Hernandez. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hugs to all of you. Bye for now.